Good evening, family. I'm an addict. My name is Penny. And I'm extremely nervous. Thank you. Of course, I didn't share any, I didn't tell anybody that I was sharing. And somebody called me on it earlier saying, you didn't let anybody know that you were sharing. I said, I guess whoever was supposed to be there is going to be there. And that's how I generally like it. But of course, y'all know I'm real scared, but I'm going to do the best I can. From desperation to passion. I like that topic. That sounds like a good topic that describes my journey in recovery. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know actually I'd like to thank the committee for asking me to share my experience, strength, and hope. And I want to start. In 1987, I came to Hawaii. And, of course, in 1987, the beach was huge. I don't know what happened to the beach. Somebody said the beach had sunk, but it was huge. But back then, I was drinking champagne and eating lobster, and you couldn't tell me nothing. You know, and that back then, uh, the disease of addiction, I thought I had it under control. Back then, you know, I could use a little bit. I could do a little bit of this and do a little bit of that, put it down, go to work, do what I had to do, and it wasn't no problem. Back then. But of course, it didn't take long from 87 to 89 how the disease of addiction took me from eating lobster and drinking champagne <laughs> to the end of the road. And I know for me, the desperation of the disease of addiction, I didn't like what I had become. And I just took 1987 because that was a short, a two year period of how I had the disease under control. Two, utter desperation, hopelessness, didn't think I could ever stop using on my own. You know, you couldn't tell me anything because I thought I had this under control. I was in denial big time. You know, everybody around me knew I had the disease of addiction but me. You know, I thought that I was, I had this. I got this. I got this under control. There's no problem. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of my road, I'll tell you those last five days, no food. No water, no bathing, no brushing my teeth, none of that. All I did was get high, ways and means to get more. And I never thought that I was going to be able to stop. I felt hopeless, useless, and I did not like the things that I had to do to get one more. I did not like what I had to come. I did not like that, you know, I was willing to take the shirt off of my back if they liked it. And give that to him for a crumb. I didn't like that. To me, that was desperate. And when I came here, I didn't really realize that I was insane, but it was obvious that insanity was a part of my life. You know what I mean? And I know that the disease of addiction makes you do all kinds of things that you really don't want to do. And in the end, I really didn't want to do them. And then those five days in August... And it was hot. And I remember them like it was yesterday. You know, and I know that when I look myself in the mirror, and I really, you know how you look in the mirror, but you're really not looking. You're looking through yourself. One time I caught a glimpse of the shell of the person I had become. You know, the, the sunken, about 103 pounds, soaking wet. And I still thought I looked good. <laughs> you cannot tell me. 
that I did not look good. I still thought I looked good. I had these jeans, you know, the jeans that you had, pockets right here, pockets right here, pockets right here. I had them jeans, and they began to fall off me. And I knew that there had to be a problem, there, and I needed to get some help. And I felt the desperation, but didn't know that it was desperation. I felt the hopelessness, but I really didn't know that that's what it was. I felt that I didn't want to continue to do the same thing, expecting different results. I felt that, but I didn't exactly know what that meant. I didn't know what it was. All I know is that it got to be a better way, and I can't continue to keep living like this. Got to be a better way. Narcotics Anonymous to me was the best kept secret. I ain't know nothing about it. I ain't know y'all had meetings. I know there's a church up in D.C. where I got cleaned at. There's a church where my first home group was. Every Sunday night, people be gathered outside. Of course, I thought it was church. They was in there having a meeting. I didn't even know. Narcotics Anonymous to me was one of those best kept secrets. I didn't know nothing about y'all until I got here. And thank God to H and I who brought the message into uh, the treatment center that I was in. Thank God. H and I. Thank God for H and I. And I'm going to tell you, when I went to that cheap treatment center, the desperation, the hopelessness, the loss of control. And see, you couldn't tell me that I thought that I had, I didn't have control because still in the treatment center, I went in there with an attitude. Yes, I did. I went in there with an attitude. I stopped doing all this other stuff, but I ain't going to stop smoking reefer, and I don't care what y'all say. And I remember how it felt. You know, the, my counselor told me, she said, you ain't going to stay clean with that attitude. And, you know, she, she only had to say that to me once. I think I stayed clean for a whole year off of just because she said I wasn't going to stay clean. My clean date is August 20th, 1989. And I'll tell you, I just celebrated 16 years clean. And the desperation I felt then, it was a Sunday, and my brother was still getting high. I did not want to live like this anymore, didn't know what to do about it, didn't know how y'all could help. I didn't understand that this was a disease, none of that. I just knew if I went down in that basement with my brother, I wouldn't be standing here today. Today I'm grateful, and I remember when I was telling my brother, I'm going to treatment. He's like, what are you talking about? Come on down here. I am so grateful. I don't know what it was. And today I know it's the God of my understanding, but back then I didn't know. When I came to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, I was desperate. I was desperate. I don't know. I think I wanted the pain to stop. I don't know if I really, really wanted to stop using it for the rest of my life, but I really wanted the pain to stop. I wanted to stop lying, cheating, tricking, all the stuff that you do to get high. I wanted to stop doing that. And I went to that treatment center. Somebody else helped me. She was clean. Her and I used to get high together. And uh, she came to help me. And when I saw her, I don't know what she was doing. But whatever, she, whatever it was, I wanted it because that's how good she looked. And that's the spirit that she had that I didn't know anything about. And she helped me. You know, she, she turned me on to my first treatment center. And I tell y'all, when I came here in, de in desperation, I was willing to do whatever y'all said. I was willing to do whatever y'all said. Y'all told me to do some simple things like go to meetings. You told me to get a sponsor. You told me to sit up front. You told me to shut the up and listen. That's what you told me. And I was willing because I didn't want to feel the way that I felt when I got here. 
I was willing. And I tell you, today it seems like I don't see that desperation on people that much anymore. But I know how it felt when I got here. I know how I wanted to do whatever y'all said in order to stay clean. Y'all know how it was when the dope man was telling you to stand in line, put your leg over here, put you was willing to do that. So when I came here, why would I question what y'all saying? You know, at first I was. I didn't believe in narcotics anonymous. I didn't believe sitting in a room full of people talking about your problems was going to help me to stay clean. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe narcotics anonymous was going to help me to stay clean. I didn't believe it. But guess what? I was desperate enough to try. I was desperate and willing enough to do whatever y'all said. When y'all said come to meetings, come early, stay late, sit up front, and in D.C. you got to raise your hand. So I tell you, they was tough. When I first got clean, they did not play. They would cuss you out. They would just, they was tough. And that's what I needed at the time because I thought I knew something. And I thought that I knew how to stay clean. I thought that, you know, I thought I knew all this stuff. Didn't know nothing. Coming in here, needing help, which I, first thing that y'all taught me was how to ask for it. Y'all taught me how to ask for help. Y'all taught me how to, first of all, just get honest because it was real difficult in the beginning, to get honest. And I don't know if y'all know how it is. Y'all remember how it was when you first got here. When I first came, when I first came to Narcotics Anonymous, this was perfect for me. I loved it. I was like, yes, I am home. I liked it. You know, they told me to come in, sit down, sit up front, raise your hand. You want some help? Ask somebody. And you know what I used to do is just follow the people after the meeting. You know how they used to get in the, uh, get, get, go to get coffee after the meeting? Everybody be going in their little room, I mean, going in their little group, and I didn't know anybody. I just walked up and said, where y'all going? Can I go? And you know, those were the most powerful meetings back then, is the meetings after the meetings. The meetings involved big boys in D.C. until they kicked you out. That's how long we used to stay in there. You know, that's what I remember in the beginning. They had that powerful, that powerful program. You know, they were really trying to help each other. They were trying to help the newcomer. They wasn't, back then, I tell you, when I first got clean, they were hardcore, but they loved you until you learned how to love yourself. They told you to shut up in the meeting, but they came to you after the meeting and said, Baby, you ain't got to go to that coffee pot no more. We see you. You ain't got to do it no more. They pulled me up after the meeting and said, okay, you can pull the dress down. We see you. We see you. I had to learn the hard way. You know, and the thing about in the beginning was I was willing because of the desperation that I felt when I got here. I was willing. And y'all said do that, I did it. Y'all said go to a recovery house when you leave the treatment center, I did that. Y'all said come in the meetings and get a sponsor. I said, okay, I'll do that. And I was willing. You know, I was willing to do whatever y'all said, and y'all said pray. You know, and in the beginning I was a little bit scared because I didn't really understand why we had to do all this. Why? Why you got to do that? Why I got to keep coming to meetings? Why I got to get a sponsor? Why? Why? <laughs> Today I ask how. Today I ask how. You know, um, it is my it has been my experience that when I first got clean, I remember they made some suggestions in this program. 
You know, they made that suggestion to me when I first got clean. You know, I had 30, 60, 90 days clean. Things were going good. I ain't necessarily have a job in my field, but I worked at the cinnamon bun making three thirty-five an hour, and that worked for me because I was willing to do whatever y'all said. Y'all said, okay, you need to go get a job until you're able to get another job. I did that. Y'all said, come to meetings. Come to meetings when you don't want to come to meetings. Come to meetings when you do want to come to meetings. Come to meetings even if you don't want to come. And I did that. Actually, I liked coming to meetings. Meetings was good. Meetings are good. I like coming to meetings. I enjoy being a part of I liked it. You know, and I know in the beginning that desperation that they talked about, that you talk about from the not using drugs anymore, from not hanging around with the with the boys, with Moochie and Didi and them, from all the stuff that you used to do. And it was real hard in the beginning because I didn't know y'all. But I did it anyway. You know, it was hard in the beginning to reach out to the women because it was easier to talk to the men. But I did it anyway. You know, I kept asking for a sponsor in my first 30, 60, 90 days, and everybody kept telling me no. And I started to get mad because I was like, well, why, what's wrong with me? You know that hole that you feel on the inside, and you're trying to fill it with anything. You know, and, and I've even felt some desperation in, in recovery, clean. You know, there were times in my recovery where I felt that desperation. And I didn't know how to get from desperation to passion. I didn't know what passion was about, really. I thought I did. I mixed it up with intimacy and sex and all that other kind of stuff, you know, because I didn't know the difference. But the good thing about this program is if you're willing to learn, somebody will teach you. If you're open, somebody will help you. And that's what I've learned since I've been here. And I know, you know, the first 30, 60, 90 days, you feel you got the honesty, right? You know, you're starting to be honest about, yes, you have a drug problem. Yes, maybe, maybe for me, it was maybe Narcotics Anonymous could help. Okay, yes, I'm willing to go to meetings. You know, have I totally surrendered? I don't know. I don't know if I have or I haven't. But I'm going to keep coming anyway. You know, I got a little teeny bit of acceptance because I accepted the fact that I had the disease of addiction and Narcotics Anonymous was my solution to the disease. That's all I accepted at that time. But the hole was there. The drugs was gone. And I didn't know what to do. And that was a bit of form of desperation there. Because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fill it. I didn't know what to, where to go or how to practice these principles that you all were talking about. I hadn't worked no steps yet. All the ladies that I asked to be my sponsor kept telling me no. You know, but it was good. It still was good because those women still helped me. And they kept, they were there for me until I was able to get a sponsor. And for that, I am grateful. And I remember how that felt. And I tell y'all, you know, there he was. Across the crowd at NA meetings. He smiled at me. He wants me, I know it. He had eight years clean. I had, what, 90 days? The people in my life at that time, and I did have some people in my life, they were telling me, that's his MO, don't mess with him. 
That's his M.O. Don't mess with him. He always try to get the newcomer girls. He always try to get the newcomer. You know they suggest, make a suggestion. Don't get a relationship in your first year. It's a suggestion. No, it's not written in a book. But it's a suggestion that I learned why they said that. I learned from my own personal experience. But, of course, after he smiled at me, it was on. And I'll just tell y'all what I learned from that. You know, 90 days after I met him, I moved in. 90 days after that, I had a ring. 90 days after that, I moved out and back into a recovery house. And for that, I'm grateful. But the one thing that I learned about that relationship is that, that we are, I am, excuse me, so powerless over people, places, and things. I cannot control another individual, and another individual cannot control me. You know, and I learned that the hard way. But what I am grateful about, and of course, y'all know he had eight years, so I met my sponsor through him. I met all the women in my life through him. He took me all to all the meetings and all the other kind of stuff other than the ones that I used to go to. He did all of that. And when we broke up, and those women were still in my life, when we broke up, that sponsor was still in my life. When we broke up, those people were still in my life. That's when I began to believe in Narcotics Anonymous and that you people were not lying and that your people were not getting high and it was not in the coffee like I thought in the beginning and that you people were genuine. And that's when I got some hope. I got some hope. And I went from desperation, a little bit of honesty, a little bit of surrender, and then I got some hope. And once I got some hope, the willingness just started pouring out. It became easier and easier and easier. And, you know, I went, I moved from D.C. when I had about a year and a half clean. Oh, let me share about this. My, my father was sick in my first year. And when he passed away and I had a home group, I was participating in meetings. I was going to meetings on a regular basis. And I was sharing in my home group about my father passing away. And I didn't tell anybody. Just like I didn't tell anybody today. I didn't tell anybody where the funeral was, none of that. But when I went to the funeral, y'all were there. Y'all were there. That's how I began to believe. And just like them women were in my life after all was said and done and it was over, y'all were there. Those women were there. Y'all taught me that this program does work. If I take an opportunity, if I ask for help, if I let somebody know that I'm hurting, if I be open and willing to do something different, and sometimes when I fill the void with something I don't need to fill the void with, and y'all pull me up on that, I don't get mad at y'all. That's a miracle. So I went from that desperation to some honesty, surrender, and some hope, and then I was willing. So I got an opportunity to move to North Carolina. And I don't know, y'all, from D.C. to North Carolina, if you ain't never been out of D.C. before, you think this is what I thought. North Carolina was cows and pigs and chicken running in the street, you know, gravel, gravel roads, people with straw hanging out their mouths. That's my image. I ain't know nothing about North Carolina. I had never been here before, didn't know nobody, none of that. And I moved. I, they flew me the job. I got a job off a family in my field. They flew me down to North Carolina. Uh, adequate me. They offered me a job. They put me up in a place. They gave me money to move. And I asked for more money, and they gave it to me. 
So that was amazing to me. And that's how I learned about some of these things you asked for. I didn't even know I could negotiate like that. I didn't know I could do that. I just asked them. I was trying to find an excuse not to go. You know, and my mom told me, she said, well, if you don't like it, you can always move back home. And the one thing that I did realize that when I moved from D.C. to North Carolina, that Narcotics Anonymous was going to be there. And that was awesome. Because I moved, I ain't know nobody, I stepped out on blind faith, I believed what y'all told me, I did all the things that my sponsor suggested for me to do, you know, like write the pros and cons and put all this stuff down on paper and pray over it. And I went to a meeting and I shared all the time, I let them know that I needed this help, you know, I didn't know what to do, you know, and I finally made a decision to step out on some blind faith and I moved to North Carolina. And it was amazing. They had streets and stores and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, North Carolina, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I love North Carolina. I am still in North Carolina today. So, really, I grew up in recovery in North Carolina. North Carolina is the bomb, really. Yes, it is. I go home to D.C. quite often, but after about two or three days, I'm ready to go back to North Carolina. Believe it or not. And I tell y'all, you know, the desperation that I felt when I first got here, you know, when I picked up and packed my clothes and, you know, picked up all my little belongings and moved to North Carolina, I was left with me again. And I was, I felt like I was all alone. You know, but I got down there. I found, I called the hotline. Thank God I followed direction. Thank God I know how to do what y'all tell me to do. They said, get the phone number, call the hotline, find out where meeting is and get a contact with somebody. You know, the contact that I got was a guy named Tony in Greensboro. And Greensboro is about an hour away from um, Raleigh where I moved to. Tony and Al got in the car, drove all the way to Raleigh to meet somebody they didn't even know to take me to a meet. That's how this program works, y'all. I got I got his number from somebody in D.C., and that's how that worked. They came all the way and took me to my first meeting. You know, and I was grateful for that. I'm still grateful to this day for them coming and doing that for me. I really appreciate it. And it was hard to move. It was hard to start all over. I had my service. I had a commitment on Wednesday night. I had a commitment on Friday night. I went to a meeting every single day. I went to a meeting every single day for the first five years of my recovery because I was scared if I didn't go to a meeting, I might use. I followed direction. I did what I told me to do. Yeah, I stumbled. Yes, I stumbled. But I kept moving. I kept moving. I called. I asked for help. You know, and when I moved to North Carolina, whew, starting over was hard. I had to be a newcomer all over again. And when I moved to North Carolina, all the meetings were smoking, and I didn't smoke. So it was, it was like, you know, I'm in the meeting. They had no step meetings. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. Da 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 da. You know how you, you know how we do. How I do. Let me put it that way. And I tell you, I went down there, and they, 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 my sponsors directed me. Y'all heard that. She didn't suggest. She directed me, don't try to run nothing. Don't try to change nothing. You need to go down there and find your way. You know, and I, of course, I went down there. I complained every single day. I wasn't sharing with nobody. I did the things that made me feel that desperation once again. You know, I kept praying, 
But I did call. I had a $300 phone bill because I kept calling D.C. I was going to meetings on a regular basis in North Carolina, but I wasn't sharing with nobody. You know, I let people know, yeah, I'm new. I moved here. I'm new. Yeah, me. I'm new. But that was it. You know, and I felt that desperation once again, that, that, that non-connection with the people in North Carolina because I cut myself off. You know, I still was holding on to D.C. I didn't want to let it go. And um, what somebody told me, I was going home to D.C. every weekend. Every weekend I was going home, and I tell y'all, it took me a long time to get used to Raleigh, North Carolina, but I tell you what they did do. They loved me anyway. They helped me anyway. They showed me the way. I remember uh, my uh, first home group, Principles Before Personalities. And that was, I stayed in that group for five years. That was the five years that I stayed in Raleigh, North Carolina. Things went on, in and out, you know, recovery happened. But they taught me some things in Raleigh. The women in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, we used to have women's meetings. We used to be there and support each other. You remember that, Alva? Darlene. I'm telling you, we was there. They, they, had a network. We, they had a network of women, and it was strong. I missed that. You know, I lived in Raleigh. I learned how to feel. I had to do that work. I had to do the work. The work that they talk about in this program that you need to do in order to feel better about yourself, in order to learn how to accept yourself, in order to learn how to love yourself. There's some things that you have to do. You know, and I don't know anybody like, I don't know. Maybe I ain't had this problem. But I ain't like to write. So when my sponsor suggested for me to get a pen and a piece of paper, maybe I want to start writing my fourth step, I felt it again. You know, and it was some, some of it was fear. Some of it I didn't even want to do it. Some of it was being lazy. But what it did for me was to help me to look at me. It gave me, on top of the honesty, the little bit of honesty that I was developing, on top of the surrender that I had gotten, the little bit that I had done. Willingness that we were just talking about. I started to be of service in, a, in the capital area. You know, H&I was an H&I kind of girl. And now we did H&I. We carried the message into men's prison. I carried the message. I, we carried the message into the Raleigh Correctional Center for Women for two years. Just me and one other girl. Every Thursday for two years we carried the message in there. And that wasn't for them. Actually, y'all, it was for me. It helped me to feel better. It helped me to get that connection that I needed in order to learn how to live without the use of drugs. You know, and then and only then that I started to feel better about myself. When I wrote, wrote that fourth step as my sponsor suggested for me to do, and I started taking a look at the things, my behavior, my attitude, my thinking, my husband had to uh, call me on my attitude a little while ago, too. So my thinking, my behavior, these are the things that I had to take a look at in order for me to stop feeling that desperation, that fear, that unacceptance, those insecurities, those control issues, all of those things that was these issues that I had that I hadn't yet totally worked on, you know, from desperation to honesty to surrender to willingness to the courage it took me to write that fourth step. That's when this program began to work for me, y'all. I started feeling better. I was being of service. I was working in um, this committee. I was doing this. I was working over here. Things started to look up. 
I finally got some acceptance that I needed. I didn't have to continue to seek outside of me for other stuff to make me feel good. Now, the shopping worked for a long time. Shoes, we ain't going to talk about that. I still have a problem with that sometimes. Sex, money, those were kind of things that I was filling my void with. And then I started writing on my fourth step, doing, being of service, going to meetings on a regular basis. Things were happening in my life. I know I was ready to get laid off of, of the job that moved me all the way down to North Carolina. You know, they was great to lay me off. And I tell y'all, I got on the phone, I called my sponsor, I got on the phone, I called my mother. And my mother said, well, you got to look for a job if you come home. You might as well look for a job down there. I'm like, yeah, okay. She right. Thank God I'm open enough to listen. You know, so I looked for a job, put out my resume. In two weeks, I had three or four people. That was, this was 1992 or three. I had people calling me like that. Got another job just like that. Things were just working out. You know, when I turned my will and my life over to the care of God, to the best of my ability, things started working out. It's when I think, okay, God, thanks. I got this. I'll let you know when I need your help. And I get that way sometimes because I forget, you know, and it takes me straight back to desperation. It's not the same desperation that I felt when I first came, but it's still desperation nonetheless. What am I willing to do to get out of it? What is the solution to this? How do I get better? You know, so you have to start doing some work once again. You know, and then I moved from North Carolina. I moved from Raleigh, excuse me. And uh, same thing, job. I had a new job. I was working at a different place. They had uh, facilities down in Charlotte. I was going to Charlotte on a regular basis, uh, once a month or twice a month, to service their computers down there. So, you know, a position came available. They offered it to me. Hey, we'll move you down there. We'll give you money to move. An addict like me, they did it once again. And then I began to see <laughs> that this program does work if you just follow some simple suggestions. I needed direction at that time. And some days, even still today, I need direction. You know, we say suggestions. You know, I try to give my sponsors, the ladies in my life, we say suggestions. You know, but sometimes you got to give them direction. Because they listening to you, but they still doing their own thing. And I mean, I, I can only share my experience, Griffin Hope. The choice is yours. Just for the day, I choose life. Just for the day, I choose to be in love with this program. That's where my passion is today. That's where I got from. The honesty, surrender, the courage, the perseverance to start working these steps in my life. I don't know about y'all, but my, the person that I am today, I was not this person that you see standing before you today. I, I was not always this way. You know, when I came in here, I came in here, woof. Y'all showed me how to be a lady. Y'all showed me how to carry myself with respect and integrity. Y'all showed me how to work these principles in my life. And then y'all would gladly point it out when I didn't. And, you know, it's funny today because it seems like when you call somebody on their stuff, they get mad. They cuss you out. They tell you to mind your business. Thank God I've learned Sometimes, and sometimes I just keep my mouth shut and stay out of it. You know, because I can pull you up in a loving and caring way. 
like they used to do me when I first got clean. I don't want to, I don't want y'all to let me die. Don't let me die. If you see me out there going that way, please don't let me die. I want you to call me on it. Let me know that I'm falling back over into desperation if I don't, if I don't, if I don't be careful. It wasn't until the, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, I don't know about y'all, the sixth step was harder than the fourth one for me, and the seventh. And after all of that, cleaning that garbage out was only until I could get some love. And that love turned into passion, that passion for Narcotics Anonymous, that passion for service, that passion for me today. It hadn't always been like that. I've learned how to love me today, good, bad, and indifferent. I've learned how to do some things differently today that I don't do anymore. I don't go to the mall and spend my money that I don't have. You know, spend the rent money on shoes and clothes. I don't do that anymore. You know, I don't go looking for love in all the wrong places anymore. I don't do those things that I did clean. I had to learn how to get from desperation to passion. I had to learn that. And it ain't always easy. Because sometimes when you know when you work with us, you know, it ain't always easy to love no matter what. And we talk about that unconditional love that we talk about in here. You know, I had to get another sponsor, and uh, me and my sponsor from D.C., I stayed with her for about eight years. And after about eight years, it was really time to get another sponsor. But y'all know I didn't want to let go. I wanted to start all over. I didn't want to start all over again. And I had to learn how to take that same willingness, that same honesty, that same surrender that we talk about, and go and get another sponsor. And I don't know about y'all, but after a while, after you don't work a couple of steps, you start, you gain a little weight, you start feeling good about yourself, you feel some love and acceptance of yourself on a deeper level, you really think that, I'm going to be honest, I really thought that I could sponsor myself and I ain't need no other sponsor. And you know, the good thing about this program is I have women in my life that said, my sponsor said, I found you a sponsor. She did. She said, I found you a sponsor. I said, why are you looking for me a sponsor? <laughs> but today I'm grateful because that lady that she found is my sponsor today, and she's been in my life for about eight years now. And I learned from that experience how to love somebody again unconditionally. Because, you know, I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of hard when you go from desperation to passion. It's kind of hard when you go from one sponsor that y'all relationship was one way, and then when you get with somebody else, I don't know about y'all, I expected that relationship to be the same way as the other one was, and it wasn't. So I had to relearn, rethink, and relearn about sponsorship all over again. And the real deal for me was sponsorship. We say sponsorship is a two-way street, and I'm grateful that it is. Sponsorship is a heartbeat of this fellowship. I am so grateful for the women that I have in my life because some days they carry me. I am so grateful. And my sponsor. But I had to learn all over again. I had to teach somebody about me all over again. And you know how it is. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy. Now, there are some things that we have empathy for with people in the program, you know. People who relapse, you know, keep coming in and out. And just because I got one white chip don't mean that that means that everybody else will be that way. And I understand that. And I learned how to love, give love, even when you come back in the rooms after 50 million times. Because I know how the disease of addiction is. I know how powerful this disease is. 
I don't play with the disease of addiction because I know it can take me away from here any day now. As long as I don't stay on top of it. Because you know how it is. You come around here for a while. 10, 11 years. You got double digits. People be talking about it. Welcome to the club. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. You slack up on going to meetings. You only go to one a week. You're still calling your sponsor once a week. And you wonder how you got from the love, the acceptance, the willingness, the honesty, the surrender, and you got all the way back down. I got all the way back down to one meeting a week and calling my sponsor once a week. And again, I had to feel it on the inside. And I had a, uh, I had a lady in my life. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I was working with the sponsee. Whew, y'all know how newcomers can be. <laughs> Ooh, Lord. And I try to give them to my to the ladies I sponsor now because I, I sponsor 10 or 11 ladies. And it's like, you know, you got to have time for them. You got a job. You got a husband. You got a house. You got a lot of things that you're trying to balance out. You know, and this one young lady, man, she could not stop using. You know, and my, you know, a couple of times my husband ain't in the program. So, you know, he don't quite understand when they be calling you at 12 o'clock in, in the morning and I say, I got to go. He don't, you know, sometimes he don't understand. But I had to go. I tried to help her. You know, and then when you put, you get, you get yourself out there up on a limb and out on a tree, and you got your hand down there trying to help somebody, and you wonder how you got there, and you can't help somebody if they don't want no help. And, you know, I had to let her go, and that was real tough. That was real hard for me to let her go. But you know what I did, y'all? I prayed for her. I had my sponsees, her sisters, praying for her. I had her sponsor praying for her. You know, today she clean. She got six months clean, and for that I'm grateful. The one thing that I learned about, you know how the program in Narcotics Anonymous is. It only applies if you work it in your life. You know, you not only need to work it when you're sitting in your hour in your meeting, or in the service committee meeting, or the area meeting, or the convention committee meeting, Lord knows you need to practice it there. And all of that, this, those are not the only places that you learn to practice. You have to practice that on your job, too. You know, you have to, you're supposed to practice these principles in all your affairs. And sometimes when my spiritual connection is good, my connection with my higher power is good, me and my sponsor are doing good, the ladies in my life are doing good, Everything is feeling good. That's when I feel that passion. That's when I feel the love for the program. That's when I feel the love for myself. That's when things are going wonderful. The question is what you do when they're not. And they don't always go right. Y'all know that. You know, me and my husband, I hate to talk about it, but it's going to be all right. We was having our communication breakdown, right? This is day four, day five. How long we been here? And, and, and we talk about passion and compassion and love and acceptance. i got to practice that same thing at home. And I don't know about nobody else, but that's the hardest place for me to practice it. You know, we was having our communication breakdown, like I was saying, and my husband was calling me up, was calling me on it. He's my eyes and ears sometimes. He knows it better than me sometimes. You know, and he was calling me on it, and I wasn't feeling too good about it. And I'm like, why are you saying this now? Don't you know I got to get ready to go share? And I got kind of mad. 
But you know what? I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. And it's not easy when, you know, I don't know, that, that, that book must be true. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Lord knows. Because we, be we be way over here. I be over here, he be way over there. I be like, how did he get over there? And I don't try to understand it anymore. But I'm telling y'all, there's some things that I've learned to have empathy for and compassion for other people. When you start doing them character defects and they start coming out and you start acting out on them, you become one big, huge character defect like I feel sometimes. And then when we point our finger at other people, that's when I have to turn around and look at myself. You know, and this time my husband had to remind me. I did not like it, but I listened. And I know he don't think I'd be listening, but I do. And I had to take a look at that. So what I had to come in here and do, y'all, was I had to sit right there and pray and try to get myself together. <laughs> this program is awesome for me. I just celebrated Sweet 16, and I'm going to tell you, my anniversary, it was awesome. I'm telling you, it was awesome. I had a friend that come down from Philly to share. You know, the room was filled with people, and there are still some times in my recovery where I don't feel it on the inside. Not that I don't feel recovery on the inside, but sometimes that fear and that insecurity may be louder than my recovery sometimes. And, you know, that, may, that was the day that I needed that. And all them people that were in that room, and when I got up and got my uh, medallion, it was awesome. And that's when I knew that that love was still there. You know, sometimes you'd be around here in a while, for a while, and you think that uh, she, she all right, she can handle it. She don't need to share, but there's something, there's something in the Just for the Day book in the 12th step that says that any addict, regardless of clean time, should be able to come to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and, sh- and pour out his or her pain in an atmosphere free from judgment. Y'all remember that. We struggle, too. No matter how long you've been here, you struggle, too. And if I can't come in here and share with y'all that I struggle, too, where am I going to go? That's why I, don't, I want to always be able to come in here and share with y'all how I feel. I want to be able to come in here and let y'all know when I lost my job in 2000, I ain't know what to do. When I lost my job, you know how sometimes I didn't, I, you don't feel like, you don't feel like I didn't realize how much of my ego or my identity was caught up in that job until I didn't have it no more. And they laid me off. They made me feel like they fired me. They escorted me out the building. All of that. And the feeling that I felt. But I ain't tell y'all that I was complaining every single day that I went on that job. I was talking about things that I needed to do, how much I hate this job. I was complaining every single day that I went on that job. Sometimes a God of my understanding does for me what I could not do for myself. You know, when you work in computers, you, you know, you got the keys to the kingdom. So they're not going to let you go back to your computer after they done laid you off. But, you know, I ain't think like that. <laughs> they escorted me out the building. I'm like, well, what did I do? And I'm going to tell y'all, when I drove out of that parking lot, the calmness and the peace came over me. Because I knew God was doing for me what I could not do for myself. I was complaining, bitching, whining, and moaning, but I wasn't moving. God, of my understanding, moved me. I wasn't quite ready yet, but he moved me. 
And that's exactly what I needed at the time. That's exactly what I needed at the time. God moved me. God moved me from a place of, it probably was desperation, because I wasn't willing to do nothing about it, but complain. You know, so he moved me from there. And I didn't feel, I didn't get to passion until I got another job. But I didn't get there overnight. I didn't get there real easily. You know, I have a couple of degrees, and I assumed that I was only going to be out of a job a couple of months. That was like mm, six, seven months, you know, that I was on unemployment. And I never got an unemployment before. And I don't know about y'all, but I still suffer from the disease of addiction. And at that time, I couldn't sit still. You know how some people may get employment. I don't know about anybody in this room. But they may get employment, sit home and chill out, watch uh, daytime TV. You know, they be chilling. I could not do it. I couldn't do it. I was feeling that utter desperation once again. And I didn't know what to do. I prayed and I did some things that I didn't do, that I didn't know how to do, which was take my identity out of that job because that job did not make me who I am. The God of my understanding made me who I am and, and you people. You know, I have some principles today. All you got to do is practice them. You know, and that's what I've learned. And then, and, and when I finally, I had to tell, I have to share this, I have to share it, I have to share it. I don't know about nobody else. I've never gotten unemployment ever in my life. When I got my job, I called unemployment one more time. One is too many and a thousand and never enough. I called them again. I was working by then. Called them again. And that, that was enough. But the pain of that, you don't realize it. I didn't realize it. I thought I was getting away with something once again until they called me up on the phone talking about fraud, talking about you got to pay the money back. And why did I think, after even with years clean, and I know that I still suffer from the disease of addiction, and let me not forget that I do. Why did I think I got a job working for the state? Why do I think they weren't going to catch me? But I thought it. I'm telling you, I thought it. And I tell you, today, what, what, you know this program is so awesome. And I'm going to say this is a direct result of the program. When they called me talking about fraud, I had the money in the bank to pay them back. That is a miracle. But I had it. And I didn't want to do it. Y'all know I didn't. But I did it anyway. And I had to make those amends. And I learned from that experience. And I don't want to live like that no more because that takes me right back down to the pit of the gut where you don't feel good anymore. It's, it's turning and you can't sleep at night. And you know you ain't done right, but you're still going to try it anyway. You know, and once I paid that money back, thank God that I could come to the rooms of my Christ and arms and let y'all know I did it. You know, because sometimes with years in the program, people think you ain't going to suffer and you ain't going to act out. Y'all acted out. I fell short. But you know what I did do? I paid that money back. I made amends in other ways, too. Being of service to that office without them knowing that I was doing that. 
And those were the things that my sponsor told me to do in order to make my order to make amends for that behavior. Because I don't want to continue to act like that. I don't want to feel that desperation because if I feel that, then there's no way I can get the passion. There's no way I can get there because I'm all blocked up with fear, insecurity, doubt, no faith, no trust, no honesty, no none of that. You know, and then when I got the pen and the piece, piece of paper out again and I made my amends, you know, I got the job working for the university and, um, it's been awesome, but I tell y'all, every time in the beginning when my boss would call me in his office, I felt like I was going to get fired again and be laid off again. And that was that resentment that I had, that I had to learn how to get rid of. So in order to get to the passion that I needed to feel, the passion for myself again, the passion for Narcotics Anonymous, and even just the passion for the job, because I don't know how it feels. You know, I know how it feels not to have a job. So I had to learn how to be grateful for one when I did have one. You know, I had to get there. And the only way I was able to get there is through y'all. Thank God I could come to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and share what was going on with me. Yeah, I was scared that y'all was going to judge me, but you know what, y'all? The one thing that I've learned how to do, the one thing that I have today, the feeling that I feel on the inside today, is the self-acceptance and the love that I feel today. That can't touch that. Can't touch that. And it's okay. You know, I know they probably was talking about me, but that's okay, too. You know, if I'm doing some behavior for, that warrants people to talk about it, you might want to look at that. You know, today I'm not living like that. You know, today I paid that money back immediately because they scared me. And I wasn't trying to go to jail clean. <laughs> I paid it back immediately. You know, today, that was, a, that was in 2001. You know, today I'm still working on that job. I'm grateful today to have that job. I've been convention committee chair in my area. I was doing, you know, work, did all the service work in my area. And for some reason, I have a passion for service. Now, it used to be H&I. Now it's on the convention committee, and I'm stuck. I love that committee. I feel responsible. I want to support that committee. I want to do whatever I can. You know, something came up uh, last year where they didn't have a treasurer, and they kept asking for one. And y'all know I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be treasurer. But finally, I, I did that, and I asked for help because I didn't know how to do it. And what I learned about that service committee, and what I learned about this program, y'all, is that if you don't balance your own checkbook, you might not want to be the treasurer of the convention committee. So I had to learn that experience the hard way. But guess what it taught me? I learned how to balance my own checkbook. You know, this is how this program works for me, y'all. It works in the areas where I'm able to do the things that I really don't want to do. Because I really didn't want to do that, but I was supporting the committee because they didn't have one. You know, it was six months into it. I said, let me help y'all out. I'll help y'all out. I'll be there. I'll support. Now, you forget that I have to balance all this other stuff, these 10 sponsees, my husband, the job, and all that other kind of stuff. And I had to learn how to balance all this stuff out. I know today that I love Narcotics Anonymous. I try to protect this program. I respect the disease of addiction. I love Penny today. I love my husband today. I don't act out. I don't do the things that I used to do. And this program has taught me how to do that. You know, passion for Narcotics Anonymous, passion for a new way of life, that's a miracle right there. Passion for a new way of life. I love this life. I love, I remember I was telling y'all that I was here in 1987. 
guess what? I'm here today in 2005, and I'm loving it. This is good. This has been working for me. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be a part of this program. But I can't get from desperation to passion without doing the work in between. You know, for me, I had to pick up the pen and piece of paper. I had to call my sponsor. I had to cry, kick, scream, holler, and do all the other things that I had to do in order to get to where I want to be. You know, I'm not saying that I'm there all the time. Sometimes I do get tired. You know, sometimes I want to sit sit out of com- a committee one year. I think I did that once, one year, 2002, 2003. I said I once, but I'm on a committee again. And I love being on the committee. I love supporting my home group. I love being there to hug the people when they come through the door. I love that. People be laughing at me. But guess what? It's okay. I don't worry about nobody. That's on you. I'm not worried about that. If I want to be at the door of my home group hugging a newcomer when they come in, I can do that. You know, y'all love me anyway. And I'm grateful for that. You know, this program of Narcotics Anonymous does work. Newcomer, if there's anybody new here. If I can stay clean a day at a time for 16 years and don't use no matter what and find from the desperation that I felt when I got here to the love that I feel and the passion that I feel today, you can do it too, one day at a time. Thank you. Today, securing the love of the fellowship, I can look another human being in the eye and be grateful for who I am. And I'm grateful. Thanks. Thank you, Penny. I've asked Kanye to read just for today. Hi, I'm Kanye and I'm an addict. Just for today. Tell yourself, just for today, my thoughts will be on recovery, living, and enjoying life without the use of drugs. Just for today, I will have faith in someone in NA who believes in me and wants to help me in my recovery. Just for today, I will have a program. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I will try to follow it to the best of my ability. Just for today, through NA, I will try to get a better perspective on my life. Just for today, I will be unafraid. My thoughts will be on my new associations, people who are not using and who have found a new way of life. So as long as I follow that way, I have nothing to fear. You're welcome. Let's make a circle around the room and close the meeting with a third step prayer.